Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Quovatis Q. Marshall, also known as Pastor Q. Q is the founding and lead pastor of Hope City Church in Waterloo, Iowa, and he's also a coach with the Courageous Pastors Coaching Network. In this episode, Q unpacks some valuable insights regarding why church leaders should pay attention to both deeper discipleship and wider mission. And he also shares some interesting thoughts about the relevance of truly multi-ethnic churches. So lean in leaders and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and we talk about the art of leadership. I have the privilege and the honor of connecting with amazing leaders. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, Iglesia Vertical, in South Florida. We are one church, two languages. I'm your host for these weekly leadership podcasts here on Avail. And today, we are sitting with not only a great leader, but a great friend, Pastor Covadis Marshall. I know him, and most people know him as Pastor Q. It's good to have you on the Avail podcast. How are you feeling, brother? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. You make everybody better. John Maxwell said, bigger leaders make people bigger. And uh, that's what you do and you've done for the last number of years. We've got to be fun. Yes, sir. You're a great friend. And, I, and I'm excited about getting into some leadership talk. You and I, uh, as pastors uh, yeah. of congregate of, of multicultural and multi-generational congregations. Uh, we walk kind of in the same tribe in the ARC family, and we are, find ourselves a lot of times connected in uh, all kinds of conferences with pastors and leaders and roundtables. Uh, yeah. I've enjoyed getting to know you, and I know our Avail audience is going to enjoy this. Before we jump into some leadership talk, uh, can you just share for those uh, Avail viewers and listeners that are leaning in, who is Pastor Q Marshall? Yeah, well, let me just stop and say it's an honor to be on the podcast and the entire just Avail team and you, Sam, Martine, all of the crew, just what you guys are doing in the body of Christ in this hour is exponential in its impact <laughs> and necessary in its timing. So, man, it's just come on. It's just a joy to be with you, bro. We, we were just available. Or, or we were just together in Alabama and it was, yeah. it was, an, absolute, it was an absolute blast. Um, yeah, so my wife and I moved um, home uh, to good old Iowa um, about eight years ago and gathered a launch team uh, with a dream in our heart. I met the Lord at 17 years old and, you know, Virgil, I wasn't raised in a Christian house. Uh, you know, I didn't have a I didn't have a, a brownie baking grandma. You know, I had a I had a grandma <laughs> who had some run ins with the law. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. and so my mom, my grandma, my family, uh, they didn't raise me with a, with a Christian or any kind of spiritual foundation. And so at 17, I met, I met Jesus through a series of events and uh, I knew three things the day I met the Lord, August 24th, 1997, I knew my sins were forgiven. I knew what I would do for the rest of my life and I knew where I would do it. And I don't know how I knew that, but I knew that I would pastor in my hometown and for 35, or excuse me, for 18 years, it was a prayer. And at 35, we moved home. We had been living in Kansas City for a number of years, planted the church. And by God's grace, he's blown on it and blessed it. And um, one church, two locations. And we're, we're grateful for what for what God's up to. The, we'll open our second location this November. And uh, we're super excited. Woo! I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this conversation because... Um, I admire your leadership, Pastor Q, and I and I and I've seen you throughout the years 
walk in integrity and walk with uh, transparency. And I trust and believe that God is doing some great things uh, at Hope City Church, uh, using you in great ways. So I, I'm, I'm, everybody's leading in right now. I want to talk leadership specifically uh, as you and I kind of prepared for this conversation. You, you kind of mentioned some things that were just on your heart, you're passionate about uh, regarding the big C church. There's yeah. this concept that you mentioned, the concept of, of not either or, it's kind of a both and, which is deeper discipleship, wider mission. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, I love, I love that. I love that conversation in, in part, Virgil, I think because what COVID did is provided a context for us to see how effective our ministry strategy was outside of what we could pull off in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, and you know, uh, Pastor Dino said, the church um, isn't an event. The church hosts an event. And we got into this idea when the doors closed, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to be effective because everything we saw as being effective could only happen if I could get people in the room. So mm-hmm. when I couldn't gather the crowd, could I still make disciples of Jesus and represent God in my society in a mm-hmm. way that I'm him and so what, what COVID did is it provided a context for some crucial conversations the church needed to have mm-hmm. around exactly what is the church and how do we live out this mission of making disciples outside of Sunday morning and the, the interesting thing is that discipleship was never intended to happen on Sunday morning hmm. partly because I'm doing all the talking and discipleship sure. is a dialogue that connects disciplines and relationship. And you put those two together, the spiritual disciplines and relationship, and that's how you get discipleship. Literally, the word disciple in Hebrew means learner. And so how do we help people learn if we don't understand their story? Yeah. And so so that really, I think, brought to the forefront this question of how can we be deep in discipleship and wide in mission? And there's two verses I think of. uh, They're evangelistic statements, uh, and Jesus gives them both. And the one is in Matthew 28. The other one is is in the Gospel of John, where, where um, uh, you know, you see Jesus with the disciples and then uh, Nathaniel, you know, he hears about Jesus. And here's, here's what said. He says, um, it's Andrew. He says, come and see. Right. He tells him Messiah is out of Nazareth. He goes, I don't know about that. He says, come and see. And that would be the more attractional model. Like, hey, just come and see. Just come and see. And, and that's important. It's pertinent. It's essential. You know, our church, hopefully, they're attracted to God by being with us. But Jesus didn't, Jesus did not say, come and see. He said, go and tell. Yeah. So there's this go and tell and come and see aspect. And what I love about the the, the go and tell is he couches discipleship, the deep, in the context of missional action, the go. So he says, go and tell, right? Go into all the world and tell them, right? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, and make disciples, you know, teach them to obey all that I taught you to do along with you always at the end of the age. So, so we develop disciples as mm-hmm. we live life mission. So I don't have to choose to be a deep church that's stuffy and maybe emphasizing understanding <laughs> culture in a way that only um, engages my intellect. Right. 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 But void from heart and activity. And I don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. So how do I take the everyday stuff of life like Jesus and say, as a church, so, you know, structurally, systematically, 
how do we as a church help people both grow deep in their faith by understanding depth, depth in faith comes as a result of doing what you're learning. Yep. It's not at the level, your, your depth as a disciple doesn't stop at your level of comprehension, but at the level of following. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And God will walk with you as far as you want to go. And so the, the context of discipleship, according to Jesus, is in the everyday stuff of life. I mean, it gets down into the roots of a Grecian versus a Hebraic style of learning. So Jesus sees the disciple and he doesn't invite them into a Bible study. He invites them to a life of mission. <clears throat> And he says, as we live out this mission, what you will discover is the truth of my word lived out. I guess what I'm saying at some point, the word has to put on flesh in our lives. Yeah. That's how we take the depth of discipleship and we live it out in the context of mission. So it's how we do our small groups. It's the messages that we emphasize. Look at your calendar. Ask yourself how many times a year are you, are you, um, bringing messages that not only empower inspirationally, but practically give people next steps on how to walk out their faith in a real way as an individual and as a spiritual community. Mm. And there's some rhythms. Um, I mean, you know, m- many of us just, we just got done doing serve day, you know, yeah. with thousands of churches all across America. But, but what I would say is that outreach isn't meant to be an event, but a lifestyle. Right. And so we got to teach to it. We got to train toward it. We got to assess it. Our staffing structure is such that your your pay increases are connected to your ability to engage people in the mission of Jesus, not just within Sunday morning. And again, our Sunday mornings are dynamic. We got the light show, the LED wall, you know, we got all the stuff. Sure. But we're not in, we're not inviting them to be entertained. We're inviting them to be transformed. Yeah, I love this conversation because I think it's easy, depending on what what school you came from, what yeah. what leaning you have, you know, yeah. you might really pride yourself on, man, we have this discipleship, right? Or or the other side, you know, we have this mission, we're reaching out. Um, I find I find uh Q that not, most of the time people are kind of strong in one and not so strong in the other. Yep. Um why, why, why do you think that is? Why, why is it that there's a lot of churches and it's not maybe that they don't want to, but why is it that a lot of churches, um, they're kind of really good at one, but not the other. Well, the church is a body, right? And so every, every person you have, you're either right or left dominant. Very few people are ambidextrous. Mm-hmm. You, when you walk, you lean to the right or you lean to the left. You know, you're right or you're left-handed. You know, you, all of us are right or left dominant. And so the issue, it, it's not, it's not, a, it's not about um, being right or left dominant doesn't make you necessarily have a deficit. Mm-hmm. It's just understanding this is a distinct way that I interact or I right. operate. And so what you want to do is, one, celebrate the grace that's on your church. And so not all churches are going to be great at all things because it's sure. all humanity to bear the image of God. And it takes the entirety of the big C church to make up the body of Christ. Yeah. And so, um, we don't have to be good at everything, but we do have to be good at the right things. And so you got to strip it down to the essentials. And then it's a matter of expression. 
And so what are the essentials, right? And so we would say people knowing God, people doing life together, people understanding and un unlocking what God has put on the inside of them. And then those same people living out their redemptive calling to make a difference and to bring people to Jesus. You know, we would say that that would be the, uh, we would say if you stripped it down, that would be the mission of the church. Okay. So we're all going to lean one way or the other, depending on what side dominant we are, but to keep it from being a deficit, we have to give it a focus and some attention to becoming better at what we're not good in while not mm -hmm. trying to do all things to all people. So like we would say our church has a strong prayer culture and a strong missional culture, strong outreach culture, strong, strong platform culture. But man, we could we could grow in that worship culture. Uh, we could we could grow, you know, in, in some of that um, more <clears throat> discipleship culture. And so mm -hmm. it's I think we. It's a body. Yeah. And I think for those who are, who are listening, maybe there's some pastors or leaders. I, I think what we don't want to do is pride ourselves in our distinctives in such a way that they become a deficit because we're unwilling to deal with the parts that need some shoring up. Mm -hmm. You know, because we can pride ourselves on what we're good at and, and leave a whole lot of room for growth uh, and mask it in in our pride. You know, again, it's that being left, right, dominant. My, my father-in-law just had hip replacement and and here's what he's discovered he has he's got a new hip but he's but his other one's worn out now because it's been compensating for the one that was already bad yep and so if you don't fix that that side that you're dominant on it will become a deficit are you ready to take your leadership to the next level avail is proud to announce that for a limited time you can get over 273 dollars worth of leadership resources in the avail plus box for just ten dollars in shipping inside the avail plus box you'll find leadership books study guides magazines and other content that we know will equip you with everything you need to inspire motivate and guide your team to success Stop putting off your leadership growth on the back burner and start investing in becoming the leader you were made to be. Learn practical strategies, knowledge, and leadership tools curated by some of the industry's leading experts. Take the first step in your leadership growth. Purchase your Avail Plus box today before they're all gone by visiting availbox.com. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I know, uh, Pastor Q, I know that one of the things, um, you know, you, you love is pastor of the church. And also I know you, you rub elbows with other pastors and leaders and, and lean into uh, when others lean into you, you're able to share, you know, by grace, what you've learned. My, here, here's my, my question for you, as you've been out there kind of around pastors and maybe even helping some, uh, yeah. what are some of the struggles you see just, just real struggles and challenges, even on a practical level um, that some pastors and churches might be having that might be limiting Either or, or both, their the depth of their discipleship and the width of their mission. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I do, I do have the opportunity. Uh, I do some coaching um, through a mutual friend, the bars <laughs> coaching team, and, and just relationally, just mm -hmm. you know, pastors and leaders. Um, I think it depends on some of it is the gifting of the lead pastor or the lead pastoral team, however, our elder team. Um, I think some of that, some of it, some of it is due to the context that you're in, that's going to influence um, which one gets the most emphasis. Um, some of it's going to be dependent on the unique opportunities that present themselves in your context. Um, regardless of the external 
<clears throat> landscape. Mm -hmm. What I've found is there are probably three things that are hindering pastors from reaching their full potential, not only as an individual, as an individual, but, but also leveraging their church's unique grace. I think one is a lack of awareness of what they are and they aren't good at as a leader. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's, it's, um, a lot of pastors are good at exegeting the passage, but not their culture, not their community. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's just in, in a, um, there's some assumptions we're making about what's important to the people that we live among. It's what's making us ineffective. I'll come back to that. I'll talk to just share a thought about McDonald's and how they've been able to fix that. So a lack mm -hmm. of a self-awareness, a lack of us going to the community. And honestly, the, it requires courage and strength to lead well, um, which is why it's repeated over and over again to Joshua by the Lord and by the people, yep. because it, it takes courage to make a decision and it requires strength to stick to it. Yeah. Right. Anyone can have a moment of bravery, but to make a hard decision and then hold the line is necessary. And by and large, pastors like being liked. And, <laughs> you know, we don't we don't want to upset the apple cart. And um, and so I think those three things, the the, the <clears throat> sort of just the lack of honesty, yeah. you know. Um, about where we're at, some of its fear, some of its pride, some of its um, just a lack of relationships, which is why I love the Avail podcast and everything. You guys mm -hmm. are doing magazine and the coaching of mm -hmm. Sam Sham. Actually, Sam is the coach to the CEO of my coaching organization, uh, Sean Lovejoy. <laughs> yes, so sir. Sam was just with us at our at our Courageous Pastors Conference not too long ago, pouring into us. And so, so uh, I think more, there's all kind of networks and, and coaching and consulting stuff out there pastors can really get a hold of. But then, too, the second one is just being aware of what's going on in your community. Did you know that um, McDonald's also owns Chipotle? No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. And you would, you would think that McDonald's will look more like Chipotle, but they understand if you if you go to McDonald's, then you don't want to eat at Chipotle. Right. McDonald's isn't known for being Chipotle. McDonald's is known for getting it to you fast and hot. Chipotle is known for getting it to you slow and made to order. It's fresh. Mm -hmm. And so my wonder would be, pastor, leader, do you know the three cultural core concerns of your community? Um have you been able to assess and excavate from just available data what are the 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 financial poverty line in your community? What's happening in the school system? Yeah. Um, are you in the influent area? And what is the primary um, need? Um, there's all kind of big data organizations out there you can mine that stuff from and and just get some people who will help you be courageous, like like. Um, uh, Dr. Sam Chan and, and or Sam Chan and mm. the rest. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's good. I, I love what you're sharing because it's it's very uh, it's very practical, um, and it and it causes you to kind of ev evaluate and assess. You know, lack of self self awareness, lack of you know understanding the culture and the community, and the concept of of courage and strength. I love this. Um, you know, I can't help I can't help but think, um, for some people. 
and I want to just tap into this lightly because I know it's an area that that you have a lot of experience in. But yeah. for some people, I think they're they're recognizing that their community sometimes is a little bit more multicultural, multiculturally diverse than their churches. Uh, and I think this is a challenge, whether 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 you're leading a predominantly white American church, a predominantly, oh, yeah. predominantly African-American church or even like me, a Hispanic church. Right. Uh, right. There's that tendency to to stay kind of how we are. Uh, and, and I think there's something beautiful when it's appropriate, when it's like the community uh, to really increase right. on the multicultural, multigenerational. Can you speak into that a bit? Hey, I would love to. I uh, just recently read a, a book by a friend of mine. He's a pastor named Derwin Gray. He wrote a book called Multi-Ethnic Church and just laid out very clear some some startling statistics. I was I was going to pull some of them up. You know, what I, what I would say is that the the world has changed from our context right now in America. Um, 80% of churches are, are um, homogeneous. Um, they're monoracial. Right. And even in seminary, you've taught something called the homogeneous unit principle, which is basically find people who look like you, eat like you shop where you shop, who are culturally aligned around you and start a church and you can grow up pretty quick. And, and, and that is true. You can, it just, it's, 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 um, it's diametrically opposed to the gospel, which is for everyone, everywhere. Um, and so the church, I really think the church of the future, she is multicolored. She is multi-ethnic. Um, let me say it this way. I, I, my wonder would be if in the future, it would not surprise me if, if monoracial churches become increasingly irrelevant. Right. Because Sunday morning doesn't look like the workplace. Sunday morning doesn't look like their school environment. Um, I think I want to pull up this stat just related to to the, um, the school system. It's something like by 2060, like 60 percent of classrooms or something. Some crazy stat. I, I'm going to find it uh, and, and just pull it out. But but I do think we've got to grapple with not only is it necessary to remain relevant, it's essential to the gospel. It's in the heart of the father. So, yeah, if we were to break out our Bibles, Virgil. Um, and if we were we were to look at the beginning, um, we see God form humanity and he blesses them. He goes, yes, yes. And God's goal was that every human being would be a member of his family. Yeah, that's that's the original desire, mm -hmm. which meant he's always wanted a multicolored family, obviously. And so you see him systematically redeem his original intention through Abraham. You'll be the father of many nations, right? Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Judah, you know, Judah, David, David, Jesus, and, and Jesus reiterates sons, the sons and daughters of the North and the South will come and sit at Abraham's table, right? We see all throughout the scripture, God has always wanted a multi-ethnic family and um, only Jesus has the power to heal the divide, right? Ephesians 2. Um, Jesus has broken down the wall of hostility and he has made peace. There's no longer Jew or Gentile. Mm -hmm. you know? So he comes to end the isms. Matter of fact, I just preached on this two weeks ago. We're in a series called We Are the Church. And um, the, the idea is that God wants a multi-ethnic, a multicolored family. <laughs> we, we alone can answer that prayer by saying yes and making sure everyone everywhere feels welcome in our buildings. Yeah. How, how? On a practical level, right? And you can even share if if there's some valuable information of your church that you're pastoring. But 
But how, how does, if there's a pastor who's listening or watching and saying, I want to, I don't know how to, where do I start? What is a couple first steps, you know, in addition to listening to a podcast like this and getting inspired, yeah. but, but how, how do I take some steps? What does it look like when a church and a pastor intentionally says, we're really going to go for helping take our church in that direction. We've been very monoracial or, or very homogeneous in, 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 yeah. in how we've been, but we want to be, begin to see increased diversity. How, how do you start? What are some thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's that's an absolutely great question. It's hard to take people somewhere you've never been or you're unwilling to go. Yeah. Um, and so as a pastor or a leader, and so um, I would say instead of tell them what they need to do, tell them what you've already done. Um, nine times out of 10, you don't have to stretch to become a multi-ethnic church. You just have to be more inviting. Hmm. We're not talking about reaching, you know, reaching those people. I didn't say you, you, the church needs to become more inner city right. or more urban. We just need to acknowledge that there are people in our community who don't look like us. Now, there are some rare exceptions, like maybe in Maine or Delaware. Or <laughs> Miami, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's just, just statistically. Uh, the, I'm in Iowa. And, and so I think 80, 82% of Iowa is Caucasian. Um, you know, and I don't mind that. I, I, my wife's white, so I, I like I like white people. I married one of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm not complaining. Um, but I do think it starts at a very practical level. I, even before it reaches the pulpit, it's got to start at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Like, open yourself up to to that opportunity. Let, let me just read something. Then I give some super practical mm-hmm. stuff. Here's some research that uh, Pastor Derwin did in 1998. Six percent of churches were multi-ethnic. Wow. 6% of churches in America were multi-ethnic. Wow. In 2007, only 8%. In 2017, 12%. In 2019, 22%. 58% of all mega churches are multi-ethnic. Um, uh, the, the idea here is if if God wants his kingdom on earth to look like his kingdom in heaven, there is no black section. There is no white section. There is right. no urban section. There's no suburban section. There's no rural section in heaven. And and if you don't like mixing and mingling now, you probably won't make it to heaven. You probably, <laughs> he, he don't want you somewhere you don't want to be. Uh-huh. And so you might want to reconsider what does it mean? And, and of course, no one on this podcast is struggling with that. Hence your question. How do we? Yeah, I would I would probably say um, probably three very practical things you can do to begin to turn a corner and um, create a context that's inviting and relational and not manufactured to to acknowledge the multi-ethnic um community that you're already a part of in, in your city. I would say, number one, be intentional. Something super practical, super practical. Uh, get your hair cut at a barbershop with somebody who don't look like you. Now, that's going to cost you some money and a little <laughs> bit of fun because can they do a good job? Um, <laughs> ladies, ladies, uh, that means get your eyebrows done, you know, downtown <laughs> in a district you usually don't go to. Let, let somebody who, who don't look like you or, or uh, talk like you do, do your eyebrows, maybe go to the barbershop. 
Um, number two, I, I would say, you know, take some time to, to do some research. You know, there's some very helpful books out there. Uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Miles McPherson, wrote an amazing book. Two, two amazing pastor friends of ours. Um, yeah. One, Francis, and um, um, uh, Siebling. Um, Siebling, mm-hmm. Yeah, wrote a book called God and Race. Um, there's a lot of resources. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans has written a number of books on it. And I think what we want to do, we want to get to a place of mutual understanding, um, not just black and white, but but Asian, um, our, our Hispanic Latino brothers and sisters, um, our island um, brothers and sisters. Uh, so you don't, you don't have, so here's, here's, let me just give one little nugget that I've learned is, in, in conversations about race and ethnicity, it's easy for the, the the for the other person or the person on the other end of the conversation to become offended and defensive um, because they they can be a sense of I'm being blamed for something I didn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not racist, so you know why do I have to bear the burden of what someone else did? And and I would encourage. If you ever find yourself uncomfortable or feeling offended, I would say, make it personal. Don't take it personal. In that, if someone was talking to me about the way you've been hurt, I wouldn't defend my position. I would lean into your your, your pain and tension. Mother Teresa has this amazing quote. She says, empathy is your pain in my heart, your pain in my heart. Mm-hmm. And so let me just circle around and, and get clear. Number one, I would say form some relationships, pastors, leaders. How do we do that? How do we make our church more multi-ethnic? How do we make our lives, right, Virgil? Yeah. How do we make yeah. our lives more multi-ethnic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, relationships, form some relationships with people that don't look like you. Number two, um, leverage resources that are available to you. And then number three, um, representation communicates value, values, volumes. Um, so what does your, your staffing structure look like? Yeah. Does your staffing structure match your congregation? Does your staffing mm-hmm. structure match your congregation? Does your high level leadership match your congregation or is it just lip service? Yeah. Do they have to, you know, do they have to um, acquiesce their cultural um, nuances in order to feel comfortable in your context, you know? Um, and so I just think those are some real honest questions we got to have. And so it goes back to that first point, you know, lack of self-awareness, a lack of honesty is holding mm-hmm. us up in most areas of life because God can't heal you from what you're not honest about. Whew. I got yeah. some work to do over here at Vertical Church. I got some, yeah, <laughs> I got some work too. to do. <laughs> Me too, man. We both do. We both do. But, but, we, but what we have done is um, we've gotten at the, literally, we were just at the table eating together a few months ago. Yep. And, you know, my, my mother, my mother didn't raise me to be colorblind. My mother raised me to be color blessed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm, I'm looking at my, my, my devonair, my handsome, you know, and I'm like, come on, I got my brother Virgil, you know? And so <laughs> it's, it's, it's the table, bro. It's the table. That's yeah. it. Christianity is about it's about the table, man. I love it. I love it. I think I think, man, this is so good. I, we we could go for a whole nother episode here. Um, I wanna I wanna, um, I guess, take the final stretch here. Um, 
something you mentioned that's really important. And I think honestly, it's probably at the core and the heart of, of everything we've talked about um, is just the leader's health. (laughs) Just, and we could, we could probably be here for another hour just Mm -hmm. talking about that, but, but maybe in these few minutes uh, um, Q, what, what would you say in connection to everything we're talking about in leading our churches? Well, leading ministry, well, leading in our communities, but, but what would you say when it comes down to the importance of leaders' health? Yeah, I mean, you can't give what you don't have. Um, we're called human beings, not human doings. And I, I, the, it is impossible to live the Christian life and to, um, to be a leader that leads well without God's help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ministry is, is rigorous. It's intense. Only only a pastor can, you know, bury a child and do a wedding all within the span of 24 hours. Yep. And be fully present for both. And so there's a few things that I found that have been extremely helpful in helping me remain healthy in eight years. I mean, saw explosive growth. I mean, five, 600 people in our context in a year falling in on top of our already growth and buildings and platforms. And in the midst of the pressure of that, I was thankful that I, by God's grace, had had leaders who taught me um, a life of, of discipline mm-hmm. principle that I could fall back on when the pressure was on. And so there's some principles that I found that have been helpful to help me stay healthy. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, one of those principles um, is understanding the importance of rhythms of rest, rhythms of rest. Um, I had a overseer say to me, the bigger the wheelbarrow, the more frequent the breaks. Yeah. And some of that goes back to understanding your capacity, um, knowing when, when are you the most energetic? Um, when, when are you the most clear? Um, what kinds of things train you? What kinds of things um, motivate you? And then building in rhythms of rest. Um, in light of that, I would say number one. Number two, I would say in the midst of the rhythm, rhythms of rest is understanding the importance of reflection. I was with John Maxwell a few weeks ago, and he said he spends at least two hours a day thinking. Wow. Just thinking. And he said in that meeting, he said, a failure to answer what you would have done differently is an indicator that you've not reflected on your life. So if I were to say, Virgil, what would you have done differently as a young dad? You go, I don't know. I go, okay, you haven't thought about your life when you were a young dad. Right. And so that's important because sometimes we, we, we tend to stuff what God intends for us to let flow through us and, and to set aside. And so I have not thought about it. And so emotionally, I'm still carrying the staff member that walked out the time we barely made budget, the the ideas that people have about me and my community that may not be true. I'm carrying it, even though it's still not happening because I've not reflected on it, which has allowed me to, to number three is to repent and, re- and release is to repent and release mm-hmm. Pastor, leaders. you got to get into a habit of being honest about where you're hurting. And, you know, we've heard this phrase before that I confess my sins to God for forgiveness, but I've, I've got to confess it to a friend to find freedom. James five sixteen, right? Yep. And so that repentant release, what I found is that when I'm honest about where I'm at, 
then what that allows God to do is to minister healing to me. And it allows me to release myself from the shame, guilt, and fear that I've carried related to either a bad decision, an indecision, a looming decision. Um, it, it allows me to be set free. And that that then leads into, I would probably say the fourth one, which is going to keep you in the game. And that's relationships. That's relationships. You've got to have people you can give and go the last 10% with. And as pastors in particular, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. You know, mm -hmm. pastor, pastor. And so I would I would lovingly say every pastor needs a pastor. Mm -hmm. Every leader needs a tribe. And we're both a part of a tribe, you know, yeah. art. It's literally the association of related churches. I mean, it's all about mm -hmm. relationships. And, you know, it's matter of fact, our sons, we were talking before we went on the podcast, mm -hmm. both of our sons went to a camp for pastor's kids, you know. Yep. Um, you know, um, our, our pastor uh, hosts a camp at his church and our kids went to it. And I texted you a few days earlier and just said, hey, did your son go last year? And, and uh, it turns out my son and your son were roommates. Uh -huh. at this. And, you know, I told my son, I said, said, Jonathan, you know, even though he lives in Florida, pay attention because these will become lifelong friendships in the future that you lean back on and lean into. And so those four things, you know, I would say have really helped me rest, reflection, repentance, and relationships. Those have kept me healthy and in the game. And a lot of a lot of pastors don't have anywhere to turn to. And you know, we're only as sick as our as our deepest secrets. And so find someone, get a coach, yeah. find some you can connect to. Yeah, great advice. I love how practical these are and how helpful they are because anybody, everybody can literally lean into these right now. Uh, this has been great. This has been great, Q. I want to I wanna help people connect with you. Uh, if people want to lean in to, to you, to what God is doing in you and your church, what are the best ways for them to connect with you? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I give you three, hand, uh, three handles. One, I'm on IG, so you can find me at Quo Vadis Marshall. Uh, so that's Q-U-O-V-A-D-I-S, Marshall. Mm -hmm. And I'm on Instagram. Same is true on Facebook. Um, if you want to connect with content and things that are happening here, uh, you can also find uh, us online at myhopecity.net, myhopecity.net. And we've got a podcast uh, we've got called Let's Talk About It. It's, it's raw. It's real. Um, I think it's relevant to maybe what you're going through in life. I'd love to connect with you on there as well. Also do some coaching. Um, I, I serve a part of a coaching organization called Courageous Pastors. And if you'd like to know more about that, you can find us online at CourageousPastors.com. Very good. Very good. You heard it, everybody. Find Pastor Q Marshall on Instagram. You can also go to MyHopeCity.net. Check out his podcast. And if you need some coaching, I highly recommend Courageous Pastors. Awesome, awesome organization. Uh, Sean Lovejoy is a blessing, and Covatis Marshall is a deep, deep good friend. Uh, I will mention this real quick, the Avail Journal. Everybody, if you're connected right now and you don't subscribe to the Avail Journal, what are you waiting for? First year's on us. AvailJournal.com. Yeah. AvailJournal.com. Would you agree, Pastor Q, to having resources helps you? Um, I read it right now. For at home, I show you. It's right there on my ottoman. I, I, yes, the Marshalls read it. It's That's great it. reading. Great. They look good, they feel good, and the content is just oh, as good. So make sure you lean in, availjournal.com. What's a final nugget? Let's leave, let's leave our leaders with a final thought. What do you want to leave on their hearts? Um, God is with you. He knew exactly what he was doing when he called you. Um, 
it's okay to be weary. It's not wrong. It's called being human. Um, but his grace is sufficient and he will meet you in your hour of need. There's more in front of you than, than what's behind you. Trust the one who called you. You've survived everything you've gone through. You'll survive this too. Good word. Good word of encouragement, especially for so many people going through so many things. I love it. Pastor Q, what an honor. What a blessing to have you on the Avail podcast. On behalf of Sam Chand, Martin Van Tilborg, the Avail team, we just want to say we're proud of you. We're thankful for you. And we honor you, brother. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Bless you. Thanks for being a great friend to me. Hey, everybody. You guys are our friends too, everybody. Thanks for leaning into the Avail podcast where we talk about leadership and we talk about church and we talk about ministry and we talk about the kingdom. My name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church in South Florida, your host for these weekly podcasts. You never know who's on next. All I know is it's amazing leaders. So make sure you lean into next week's podcast as well. Thanks for connecting with us. We'll catch you next time right here on the Avail Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail Podcast with our guest, Q Marshall. You can find out more about Pastor Q on Instagram and Facebook under Quovatis Marshall and by going to myhopecity.net. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com and make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail Podcast host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.